Hi, y'all. This is Kristen Chenoweth. Hi, I'm Gloria Stefan. This is Sarah Bareilles. Hi, I'm Patty Lapone. This is Lynn Manuel Miranda. You're listening to the Broadway Podcast Network. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. There's a cat over here. There's a cat over there. And the wrong one died. And the wrong one died. Welcome to The Wrong Cat Died, the podcast breakdown of the catastrophe. I'm your host, Mike Abrams, and today we have another very fun episode. My guest today is a fellow Broadway Podcast Network person hosting his own podcast called Your Program Is Your Ticket, discussing smaller, more intimate theater works with people that make it happen. So he's also seen cats many times over the years, including smaller productions, has a little bit of a history with the show, a love-hate relationship with it. So Sean Chandler, thank you for joining me. Excited to have you here. Mike, I'm like super stoked. Thank you for agreeing to put me on your show. This is really exciting. I want any and all perspectives of cats out there for the world. And as someone who has experience with it, seen multiple versions of it, including small, you know, small theater productions of it. Uh, I want to hear your your version, and especially as long as you know, we'll we'll see if I totally agree with you. If you argue for Grizabelle at the end, but I want to get as many non Grizabelle arguments out there too. So, let's kick it off. I always love hearing the very first time you saw Cats. Tell me about when, where the experience. Uh, the first time I saw Cats was the original Broadway production. It was in December of nineteen eighty two. And it was during my senior class drama trip with my drama department at my high school um, in in Downey, California. And uh, I it was, I think, the, like the last show that we saw. And it, it was one on, on one of those um, trips. There used to be a promotional campaign. I don't know if you are familiar with it or no. maybe you remember. Probably not. But it was called the I Love New York campaign. Okay. And, Okay, and it, it, and and the commercials went something like this. I mean, you'd see like I don't know the Rockettes in the middle of Times Square kicking, or I don't know somebody from a, a production singing. Uh, I forgot what the big productions were way back then, Forty Second Street or Dreamgirls or something, and um, they would sing "I Love New York," and that was and and so everybody came to New York and they offered. Uh, schools trips the i love new york trip and uh we would a group of us would fly down and or fly over i should say um and they put everybody up in the milford plaza hotel 
on eighth. You know, the, you know what the Milford Plaza I Hotel. Do. I'm also just laughing because I my one trip with this with school, which was not part of this campaign, and um, was not was they put us in the Wellington, and it's very similar. And like not far, I think they're down the street, right? They're really close to each other, aren't, aren't they? I've never heard of the Wellington, but the the Milford Plaza Hotel now it's on Eighth and like Forty Fourth, and um, it's now called Row NYC. <laughs> okay. and, and so it's it's very very possible. What's really interesting though is like I can actually I have a, a great view from my apartment. I live in Hell's Kitchen, and I can actually see the old like ghost sign of milford the milford plaza going down the down the building but it was it's i mean it's an okay hotel uh it's off of eighth and um a, a lot of people when they come to new york and they walk up and down eighth avenue they're like wow this is kind of seedy and a little pervy if you will and it was like 10 times worse when i was here this is before anybody came in and cleaned up and disnified uh yeah. new york so yeah, so that area is fine is fine now for sure oh yeah it is <laughs> that would be we would call it fine other people may not call it fine but it's fine in comparison to what it was yeah dang <laughs> i was open open my little you know uh, a gay boy 17 year old eyes so they flew you across the country as part of this campaign to get people to travel to new york it was and, huge yeah i mean they and you they, saw shows like what is I that i did you just saw you just saw a bunch of Broadway shows and probably went to all the tourist spots. Yes, yes, I was here. I think for like five full days, I saw seven shows. Wow! And of course, we toured and we went on uh, Staten Island Ferry. Um, but in this campaign, it the amount that you paid covered your airplane ticket, your hotel stay, and two Broadway shows. And one of those was Cats. The other one was Nine. This is the original production of Nine that featured Raul Julia back in the day. Um, and I saw a bunch of other shows. I saw Joseph and the Amazing Technicolor Dreamcoat, since we're talking, you know, and Julia yeah, Weber here. Sticking to his right? shows. Um, and and uh, Tart Song Trilogy, it was, it was a, a really super fun trip for a drama geek like me. Cats was the last show that we saw, and it was over at the Winter Garden Theater. And um, I... Let's just say that we we imbibed. We were high school seniors, and yeah. you know, so we were we were um, partying a little bit here and there. And uh, and by the time we saw Cats, I was on my seventh show. And honestly, I was like, "This isn't hitting me. This is I'm not jiving with this. I don't get it. I'm ready to fall asleep watching this." And I just thought, "Well, you know, maybe it's just maybe it's just because I'm tired." And um, but I. But I kind of lied and said, oh, I loved it and told everybody that I thought it was great. And it was just, you know, that theater peer pressure. It was kind of like when I saw Hamilton the first time. I had a really hard time telling people that I just wasn't catching on to it when everyone's like, oh, Hamilton. Uh, same with Strange Loop that I just saw. But that's a whole other story slash podcast. But um, so I honestly was like, I, I, yeah, yeah, everybody. It was great. Cats was great. And this is before the Tony awards and, and all of that. And before Betty Buckley won her Tony side note on Betty Buckley, she biffed one of her lyrics in memory. Wow. It was something like, it was like memory. I mean, she changed from midnight to memory, like within like a fraction of a syllable. I had forgotten about that till my friend Blair, who went, who went with me. It's like, oh, you remember when Betty Buckley made a huge mistake? In 
You get to see uh, you get to see almost history. So wait, so you're 17. That's what you said. You're around 17 ish uh, when you're going to see this. You 17. are either still potentially intoxicated or hungover, and it's the last uh-huh. show of your trip. Mm-hmm. And you see cats. Yeah. Isn't that like almost ideal scenario if you were a little intoxicated of like (laughs) kind of the right age? Because like too young is too weird Too like teenage early teenager, I think is 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 too much. I think at that point you're an adult like you're you're an older teenager that you really can understand what's happening in the show. Or if it's not portrayed, like it's not going to be too much if you see it at that point. And you're intoxicated, which is really the what I wish everyone would have told me before I saw it, is to have just a little bit of extra help. So you should have been like peak, peak performance for this. And you didn't like it. And you just pretended to so you can, you know, fit in at the time. One would think, right? I mean, but you have to remember, I was like, well, you have to know. Sorry, you weren't there. You don't remember. You have to know that I was sitting in the balcony at like the like the the second row from the top. And it was warm and the, sh- and the show was just weird and strange and I wasn't hooking into it a- at all. I don't I just don't think I got it. And I I wanted to like it. And and maybe I should have gotten a little more, I don't know, ripped. I should have been like, like shit facing. <laughs> you need to see it earlier in the trip when you were, you know, in, in peak performance and the trip, you're kind of on the downslope. Yeah, probably right. Yeah, exactly. Oh, yeah, definitely. I, After I, seven days, five days, it's yeah, you're you're done. Oh yeah, I saw shows that I liked way more, including nine. I liked nine. Nine was a little adult for me, but um, uh, it's a chorus line and just just a lot of great stuff. So here's this this show with a bunch of cats, you know, crawling around and pawing at people and. I just, I just didn't get it. It, it would I take love. years before I finally would. <laughs> I love it. You can name all the shows you saw, and there's probably besides Joseph, I probably have not seen a single one of them uh, that you saw on that trip. Okay, so you've never seen Torchong Trilogy? Never uh, heard of it. I, there's gonna be a bunch uh, I probably have never even heard of. Okay. I didn't never heard of Nine. Nine. Okay. Uh, uh, I have not seen Chorus Line, but I've heard of it. <laughs> I at least okay. know what that one is. <laughs> the, I saw a show called Monday After the Miracle, which was the sequel to the miracle worker i know right the sequel to the miracle Worker. you've heard of the miracle worker right Heard of the miracle worker i've never heard of the sequel okay there's a good reason for that because i think it closed the day after i saw it so basically i killed the sequel to the miracle worker (laughs) very very clearly (laughs) and uh i saw a show called pump boys and dinettes which is never heard of it yeah and i don't know I, i forget everything else i'm sorry no, you're good. I this did. is this is why I host a Broadway themed podcast is because I of my extensive knowledge on all of this <laughs> stuff. Uh, okay, so when's the next time you saw it then? Because I know you you know you didn't like it then, but you've had kind of this roller coaster of experience with it. Well, as I had said in our pre discussions, I figured I guess for my own sake, I'm going to do a little scorecard here, and it's going to be called. The cats giveth and the cats taketh away. Love it. Because I, I feel it. like I've just been, the cats have batted me around so much. It's just, you know, my brain, it's, it's, it explodes with cats. Anyway, so that particular, the first, the first go around, the cats took it away for sure. Because I had no, yeah, they took it away. Okay. So now fast forward to 1991 and um, 
this is when my husband David and I first got together. We've been together for 30 plus years. Um, this is nine years after you saw the first one. You said it was 82, 83? Yeah, 82. And then this is okay, 91. So 91. Okay. Yeah. So that is it, with math, that's nine yeah, years. Yeah. Quick right, math. Right. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Um, it was when we first got together. And one night we were, before we were falling asleep, we were, we started talking about cats. We were talking about shows that we've seen. And he reveals to me that he absolutely hated it. Now he did see a touring production of it. Um, but he went on and on. He was like, I swear to God, they said the word jellicle, whatever the hell that is at least a thousand times, just within the opening, like song, it was like the first eight minutes and angelical, jellicle, jelly. And he goes, and as if that wasn't bad enough, about two thirds of the way through, they ratchet up the music. It goes, da, 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 and they start singing the whole entire chorus again, multiple octaves higher. <laughs> he was like, just kill me now, please. Um, now this, this is going to, this is going to come back to a good thing eventually. But um, it was the first time I had ever heard anyone say out loud, that they hated cats. And the first time, honestly, I was like, oh my God, somebody like kind of agrees with me. And I don't know if I hated it, but I just thought I appreciated the artistic version. I just didn't like it very much. But anyways, I will tell you this. It was then and there that I decided that I would marry that man. <laughs> that Honest to God. Seal, that sealed the deal. I, well, I, I really Ooh. love, I, so I haven't, um, I've asked a lot of people that tell me they hate it. Cause I, you know, when people learn that I have a podcast about cats, they either love it or hate it. And the love is like a deep love of like thoughtful and like what they, you know, character that they liked or that they associated with everyone that hates it. I've yet to find anybody give me a reason. That's the first reason that I've heard of like, they went up an octave higher and they didn't, you know, said this, like most people just are like, it's just not my cup of tea. That is the first like dedicated, thoughtful, this is what I didn't like about it. And I've been waiting to find somebody that hates it for like a true, like thought out, drawn out reason. It sounds like that that's your husband. Yeah. Oh, totally. Yeah. And I honestly, I just, I breathed. It was like, you know, I exhaled yeah. like the movie waiting to exhale. I exhaled. I was like, okay, yes, this is the person I meant to spend however long I can with in this life. Um, but yeah, I, I, I'm so glad that he could validate you as he could validate me yeah. when it comes <laughs> to cats. So yeah, it was, it was hilarious. Um, so in 1991, the cats giveth. The cats giveth me, you know, somebody who I bond with that actually didn't like it. Well, his was a little bit more vitriol. Yeah, yeah. he was he was serious about it. He had thought it through. Oh my god, totally. We were we were just howling. It was then that night also that he was doing, um, I think, the Phantom of the Opera in the voice of Cher and Carol Channing. So that sealed the deal right there. <laughs> you know, and come on, I'm in love. Um, okay. So do you want me to, do you want yeah, me to keep fast going. forward? Let's to just the keep okay. going. I, I, right. Follow me through the whole thing. I love this. Okay. 15 years ago, 15 years later, excuse me. Um, I, I see the Broadway revival. Now I decide, you know what? I'm going to go see the Broadway revival because I feel a little nostalgic. So this is I the had, 2016 revival. Yes. The okay. one that was, the one that was at, just recently on at Neil Simon. Yeah. Neil Simon theater. Uh, yeah. Now David and I are, decades married and living in new york city now so we're it's you know time has passed um and uh, as i said i decided to go see the revival for nostalgia's sake and so i asked david if he wants to attend and he was like you know 
I'll go, whatever. Now he took your advice. I, I myself don't, don't drink anymore, but he had probably two or three drinks and said, sure. Yeah. Why not? Yeah. That's perfect. We got front row seats, which is always, always makes some stuff. Always okay. Okay. It makes most stuff better when you have a front row seat because you're right there and it's for you. Um, so he says, I'll go. Now uh, I want to I want to see where in the run is it is it early on like did you see Leona Lewis or did you see Mamie uh, I saw both okay but at, at this time at it's that the performance, Leona Lewis one right it was Leo okay. Leona Lewis when okay you know way more about cats than you're claiming well, no I love I know about cats I don't know about anything else about Broadway <laughs> I know a lot about cats from 2016 on and a little bit that I've learned over time about all the different productions because uh, I've now talked to people in. Almost every production that's been globally done. Uh, wow. Yeah. That's okay. I'm slowly I, getting there. Okay. I bow to you for your dedication and your commitment <laughs> to the cats of all musicals. I love it. That's great. Um, anyways, yeah, we saw Leona Lewis. Okay. So this is early in the run then. Way early in the run. I don't even think they had opened yet. Um, and Might, maybe we were at the same production because I was, I saw. The second to last preview. I saw a Saturday matinee in 2016, and that was my first experience with the show ever. And it sounds like it's around the same time you got to see it as your second experience with the show with your husband who hates the show. Mm-hmm. I love it. Okay. So now yeah. you're back. I think we're back to the, the take it. Well, kind of. No, no, I no, actually, no. Okay. Let me let me reverse that. Um, so we go and we we're watching it, and all of a sudden, at the end of Act One, before they, you know, when they cut the light, bring the lights back up to intermission, um, we both looked at each other, and much to our surprise, at the same time, we said, "I love it." Now, uh, so there were a few things that happened here. Okay, I'm I'm a little more grown up. I'm not drunk or high. He's drunk, so obviously, <laughs> those two things worked in our favor. The reverse of before. And um, and a- Andy Blankenbuehler mm-hmm. went in and and he tightened up the choreography considerably and and that I recognized yeah. myself. Okay, I love that you recognize because that's that's the part where I'll, I'll have no idea. And I've heard amazing things about Andy's changes and how it differs and some of the things. And every time everyone tells me, I'm like, I saw people dancing. I did. I didn't see anything <laughs> else. I. Don't know the first thing about the, the twirls from Mistopheles and the kicks. I learned that the stage is raked, which blows my mind that that means it's on a tilt. Like that's crazy in itself. But I'm glad that theater people recognize it because he definitely made a lot of changes and a lot of like thoughtful ways of how to change the choreography to make it his style. And that went right over my head. But I'm glad that you recognized it. I mean, I think that it also had the benefit of having been around for what at that point. 30, 25, 30, 30 years. 40 years. Yeah, they hit their 40-year mark like during COVID. So it would have been 38-ish years probably, something around that. Yeah. yeah, so maybe they've had time to, you know, tinker with it a little bit and, you know, play with it mm-hmm. and 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 make it um, move along faster and, and tighter, and which, which is good. I can imagine that a show like that forever, a dance show, could might be might get a little sloppy here and there but well if I you want to see a tight version uh royal caribbean they do a 90 minute version on a cruise do they really yeah they do a 90 minute version now because with people not paying they couldn't have an intermission because no one came back right so they had to cut and I, I don't know exactly what they cut i'm still trying to get 
all the details on on that. But there's the current real it's it's currently happening is a ninety minute production. Oh my god! Wow, I just David and I just went on a cruise and we saw a longer version of Million Dollar Quartet than that. I mean, it was. I mean this this one was like over two hours and and you only get ninety minutes of cats, but I you know. That's probably very, very soon smart. vacation. Next vacation for you. Right. For you, uh, <laughs> exactly. You're ready to go. Well, there is a, a uh, an abbreviated version of the Phantom of the Opera, or at least there was in Las Vegas. Hmm, they did okay. one that was like, I don't know, like 90, 90 minutes, maybe 100 minutes long. But in Las Vegas, it's like the the casino bosses. Yeah, they, they can't want have that you in stuff. there for three hours for right. sure. They want that stuff starting on time and then then ending. I remember I read this uh, a book by Rosie O'Donnell where she talked about how she went overtime with one of her comedy sets in in Las Vegas, and boy, they were like right up her nose over it. I believe but, that. Yeah, yeah, it's money for money. sure. Okay, so Absolutely. you're 2016. You're you're loving it. Intermission. Right. I'm loving it. And then by the end of it, I'm, you know, standing ovation, David right there, you know, both of us just clapping and in tears. So um, I'm going to give it that the cats giveth. Okay. In that situation. 2016 giveth. 2016 giveth. Also, I had the privilege of interviewing um, a gentleman by the name of Adam Wolf on my podcast. And uh, he was, he's like one of those, he's a percussionist and he's one of those um, musicians that travels as a sub from different, uh, from one production to the next as, you know, whenever they need a drummer because somebody's on vacation or something like wow. that. And, um, and he was, he, he drummed for cats quite a bit, he told me. So um, that's very definitely because of him, the giveth. Also for that production, if I may say, I had the fortunate nature, and I don't know if you've interviewed her, but um, uh, my friend John Marins, who is uh, a writer, he's a, a playwright, and he's, he's a, a Pulitzer finalist playwright. Wow. He was hired to rewrite the book for Paint Your Wagon for a production at the Muni Theater in St. Louis, Missouri, and his female lead was Mamie Paris. And... I not only did I see her in the show, but um, we went and uh, saw the show with John and he invited us backstage to the big cast party that they had. I talked to her for the longest time. She is one of the nicest actors I have ever talked to in my life. Just asking me about me and, you know, actors usually don't ask me about me and that's fine. No, No big deal. But um, she was just she was just really super nice. I completely agree. I, she was early on in the people I got to interview and was wonderful. And I did get to see her perform because I went almost to the day a year later and got to see her version of it. And, you know, at that point, I don't know who any of these people are at all. And I just remember being blown away by her memory. And uh, and then I got to I agree. She was so nice, uh, wonderful and have been hoping to see her and other stuff because i just want to see you know she just was so talented um singing you know building that out that i knew she was doing something in the muni because now i follow uh her on social media and kind of get to stay in touch with other things she's she's doing but um but yeah she was fantastic but it was also early on of me arguing with grizabella's and so she was in the first couple grizabella's i got to talk to where I was like, uh, I hope you're okay with me having my entire podcast thesis being about how I don't think your performer should should win. Like, I don't think that you should end the show with your song 
And that's the whole crux of my podcast. So thankfully she was super fun with it. And most Grizabellas are, but usually they defend themselves. Yeah. Oh yeah. She's, she seemed like she, um, uh, she didn't take things too seriously and she's, which is, is great because in the context of the show, she was brilliant. Completely. I, I, I saw her from the front row. I went back because I go and see shows a lot over and over just to study them, but from the front row. And then I saw the show from the very last row in the uh, Neil Simon theater and the exact same impact uh, completely. Yeah. I was definitely up in that when I saw her, but if you get a chance, I mean, I think her uh, Macy's day parade version is, is out there. I mean, there's some, there's some videos of her singing memory that are, that are on YouTube that are, you know, incredible. So it's, I'm glad I got to see her do it in 2017. Um, I feel happy, especially after getting to see, cause she's very different than Leona Lewis. So seeing like two very different Grizabellas was, yeah. And the only two times I've ever seen the show live are those two experiences. So, uh, eventually I'm going to get to see a tour or a third version or another version. But right now I, for as much as I know, I've still only seen the show twice live well uh, and what two amazing performers to see because mm -hmm. i thought that they both i agree with you i thought that they both had very different takes on the character of grisabella leona lewis was a little more she was a little slower a little more languid and um you you could feel the weight of everything on her uh, i thought mamie Par mamie paris while she moved slow she felt a little more brittle and confused as I, I, I don't know. I, I got, I got the vibe that she was like losing her memory and her mind. Oh my God. Did you see what I just did? There? did right I, there. That was, that was an unintentional pun. I'm very, very <laughs> sorry about that, but, but you know what I mean? And, and a lot of, a lot of the Grizabellas are like that. They, mm -hmm. uh, if, if you look, you, I, I think that it's one of those great roles because it you can play it to the strength of the performer mm -hmm. and and sort of the vibe they give up on stage yeah and they have to do it in 15 minutes that's the craziest part they have 15 minutes on stage so to convey a message like that of that much power is a feat in itself right right and like little itty bitty doses here and there mm -hmm. you know i would think that the hardest part of that you probably have heard him say this is just staying in that mindset when you're sitting back in your dressing room. Yeah. And you then know. belting out. I mean, they, they got to really belt out at yeah, the they, end of the show. Yeah. They're not, you know, on sort of the roller coaster ride of the dancing, like the rest of the cats are. Mm -hmm. They're just, they just pop in and have to, you know, be downtrodden and loud. Completely. We'll be back for more of this cat's catastrophe after a short break. <laughs> so so anyways, I don't know if I had said so, but the the cats giveth on the revival. Okay. They really, really did. And now, and I'm sure that this is uh, discussed ad nauseum, 2019, the movie. <laughs> Which is what started this podcast, was the trailer for this movie. Really? That was what triggered it. Uh, that's what triggered the joke. That's what triggered the uh, request to start the podcast. And that's how it went. And really, I led everything up to seeing the movie uh in in press so we saw a press press version pretty early we saw the version that was not finished you know the one that got because they famously finished it that week uh so i did get to see with the producer of the show uh a, a press version but yeah everything everything that movie is what is really you know the 
butterfly effect of this whole podcast. <laughs> it's like the total catalyst. It went and like, what a great catalyst for it. It's, it's, it was definitely life changing in many ways. <laughs> Cats, life changing. That can be their new, you know, their new, uh, that's their poster. new slogan right there. Okay. So wait, when did you go see this? Did you go see it like opening night? Like, uh, we went and saw it on Christmas Day. I think it opened to the public on Christmas Day. It opened, yeah, around then. It opened, um, it might have been that, it was that weekend, basically. It was like leading up to that. So yeah, so you went on Christmas Day? Yeah, I mean, uh, David's family lives in California. My family lives in Alabama now. So we weren't with our family. So a bunch of, you know, a bunch of, you know, uh, orphans got together and went and saw cats on Christmas Day and went went for sushi afterwards. Yeah. Isn't that appropriate? That's exactly. <laughs> okay, that's that's an intentional pun, but we did go for sushi. <laughs> I think it was the only thing open on Christmas Day. Um, now, I actually don't really have like the hatred of the movie. I thought it was I thought it was OK. I thought it was enough so that somebody who could never afford to go to theater, could actually watch it and get the gist. Uh, I do agree um, that it, it needed a lot more work. I felt like it needed like like an additional $50 million and two more months in the CGI studio <laughs> so to they, clean some they stuff spent, up. They spent $50 million more than they should have to begin with. They spent over $100 million on that movie. Well, at that point, you know, when they're just burning money, it's like, they should have they should have caught somebody should have coughed up 50 million more and just to make it passable and watchable. I mean, everybody was talking about like the the cat's feet would disappear and the lines were fuzzy and stuff. I didn't really catch that. I, I will tell you this. I did not care for Jennifer Hudson as Grizabella. OK, I, I actually didn't mind her that much. I, that wasn't my that wasn't my gripe. I had a lot of other gripes. But I think mine are different than a lot of mo like most people's. Um, I was personally not a fan of their some of the just the decisions they made, not about the movie. They released it against I forget what it was a Marvel movie or something else. Like it opened on the same day as like a, a mega movie as well. They released the trailer the same day that Top Gun released their trailer, which still hasn't come out as of now. But like they made a lot of questionable decisions for what should be a movie that was going to be a a blockbuster like you you don't you try to own a, a weekend or you try to own a piece and they just didn't do any of it and so that was my bigger gripe is just like the business decisions behind a lot of it felt really off and then the jump cutting editing like you couldn't see any of the dance um i, I didn't mind the victoria being the like narrator all the way through i thought that was pretty clever i didn't mind taylor swift's part um i i didn't mind the new song like most of that stuff didn't bother me as much as the a lot of the like clear decisions about making this into a mega movie that failed and it seemed like i could have told you that that wasn't going to work before any of the other criticisms well uh, when i saw the the trailers early on i thought cool you know i could buy into i could buy into what i'm seeing i really mm -hmm. could um i was i was disappointed as far as that goes i didn't really think of it from a marketing perspective, um, but I did. I did think that it needed like a lot more work before they released. Oh, it. totally. I think what what tipped me off was I did see a press viewing, which was just a filled theater. It was the day after like the true press opening, like the big kind of major one. Mm -hmm. But it, so everybody in that theater was either press or family and friends. 
So it should be a crowd that is professional that, mm-hmm. or that is there for it. And about five, 10 minutes in, everyone's laughing, like, v- like vocally, hysterically laughing. And that was the moment where I was like, I, it doesn't matter what happens. If this crowd can't handle it, then there's no public audience that's going to be able to handle this the way that they, that they intended it to be handled. Like that was not the intention of that movie. It wasn't supposed to be a laugh at the screen movie. It was supposed to be a serious version of this production and people were cracking up. They were doing the same thing in the theater we were in. Again, I wasn't, but I, I kind of liked it. I, I, I don't know. Maybe I gave it way too much. Of a Have you seen it since? No, okay. I don't think I will. <laughs> I, I would be very curious to hear your take after because I did. I watched. I tried to watch it. Let me rephrase that. I tried to watch it with my family in Indiana, and we got about halfway through, and they all looked at me. And a couple of my mom's the theater fan, like I thought that they would enjoy. It. I got the people who I knew wouldn't enjoy, it, like my dad away. I'm like, don't even, don't even attempt this. So I got the people in my family I thought would enjoy it. About halfway through, they looked at me and they go, "Does it get any better?" And I go, not really. This is pretty much the level you're going to see. And they turned it off. And so I, it's, I would love to like, even I was just like, yeah, I'm good. I don't need to see the rest. So I'd love to see you rewatch it and see like, was it the magic of the moment of like the hype around it? And it was 2019 and Christmas and you did have a, you know, it, it was where you realized that you had your husband for forever. Like, is no. there that moment or was it just you actually truly enjoyed it? No, I mean, I don't I wouldn't say that I enjoyed it, but I didn't hate it like everybody okay. else was hating it that I was with. Um, one of the big reasons why I, don't, I didn't like Jennifer Hudson is because she was nose crying through half of it. And that was That's grossing true. me out That's in true. a big way. It was like, oh, my God, come on, blow your nose. I know you've got an Oscar, but ugh. Um, yeah, I mean, I, I, I wanted to, I liked it. Like I liked the Dear Evan Hansen movie. I was grateful that whoever can't afford to come and see a version of this can actually see a version of it. Is it the best? No, but it's, there it is. So uh, it's interesting timing that you bring that up because I did see, and I am, we're going to, by the time this releases, it's going to be a little past, but somebody on Twitter, and I, I don't know who it was, mentioned because right now when we're recording this coachella is going on and coachella is basically live streaming on youtube so you can watch coachella performances as they are and that's always been a will they sell out how will they do that and someone on theater twitter posted like could this be the blueprint like could we do this could we put a show out once a week or every once in a while and i'm all for that because i do think like the Hamilton on Disney Plus helped a lot of people see Hamilton who otherwise would probably have trouble finding the four tours that are on or Broadway and it's not as accessible. And or so, the money. Or the money, yeah. I mean, just in general, it's hard, it's expensive and hard to get to. And so in Indiana, five shows come through a year. That's it. There's five tours, and that's all you get from Broadway, or you get local regional theater. And so totally. putting this on a platform that makes it accessible, I don't think hurts ticket sales, I think would help. And so I was excited to read that and hoping that like, maybe that becomes a reality. Uh, well, it very definitely became a reality over uh, the COVID shutdown. For sure. It was the really what we had left was anything that was online, mm-hmm. uh, whether it was, you know, picking up clips off of YouTube or going onto Zoom and and seeing readings and things like that. But um, yeah, I mean, I, I 
I don't really necessarily want to take away the value of being able to go and see live theater and the challenge that sometimes we have with that. Um, Cause that in itself is an art form, but totally. I do like it when you can bring the theater, even if it's after a little while, you know, when the producers make back their money or mm -hmm. whatever, you can bring the theater to the people. Yeah. And I, I, I saw that idea. It immediately resonated and I kept thinking, you know, I'm a subway right away to to any show I want to see. And if I have the cash, you can basically get a ticket to anything. If you have enough, I mean, some are expensive, but you can get into most shows. And that's not the case for my family, you know, right. in Indiana. Or, you know, they're waiting for, oh God, I forget, Mean Girls, I think was the last thing that was there. Like they're waiting for their tour to come through. And it's just different, you know, again, cost, everything that goes with it, being able to say, you know what, I could stream that in that window and mm -hmm. make a massive reach would help for some of these things. Like you listed off in the beginning of this podcast, a bunch of things I'd never even heard of. And I don't know if I could ever go find video. I mean, I guess I'd go do a press inquiry at the Lincoln center and try to get into their library and watch a recording, but you can't go find most of these things. And I've, and I know this cause I've actually tried, I've wanted to see a couple older productions of things that are super famous and it just, they just don't exist. And I know that they do because I know they recorded them all, but they're just not, there's Broadway HD and there's a couple of things that have a few, but there's not a stage performance of a lot of things. And I, as someone who now has learned stuff over time, but you know, would like to see some of this history of some of these shows that just aren't on current stage. And it's really hard to find. Yeah. I mean, you might be able to find um, like a community theater production mm -hmm. that will post their, their production on, on YouTube. Um, but yeah, I agree. I agree. And um, the, the paradigm is very, very different from in, in Alabama. Um, or you said you're, you're from Idaho, Indiana, Indiana. Okay. Sorry. Other eye. Well, I knew it was I. one of the I states. I stayed Sorry. somewhere in the middle of the country. <laughs> right. Um, Indiana. Um, I I remember I took my my sister and my niece and nephew who are teenagers to see Dear Evan Hansen and I was like well it's not you know what I've seen on stage and and uh, and, and they were like we loved it we loved it and that's that's a very different uh take than you'd get if you asked some people here in um uh in New York and mm. and you know you know I which I don't know I thought they were too mean to that show but I also love that show uh, like tremendously um so so yeah i mean i see what you mean yeah, yeah. and and so it, it is helpful and maybe not in the help helpful in the way we think about it on the coast but go a little you know towards the center of the united states and they're glad they're glad for it completely completely yeah all right this is getting a little too we got a little too serious for this podcast so we're gonna, right. we're gonna need to switch gears um i want to go into rapid fire i want to talk about some some pieces of the show and, and your take on it so if okay. you were in the show, which cat would you want to play? Oh my gosh. Uh, I would probably want to play the one who does the least amount of dancing. <laughs> That's probably old Deuteronomy or Buster for Joe. Yeah. I, I'm thinking they're going to give me old Deuteronomy. I mean, I'm old enough and I have the low voice to play him. Yeah. I'll even sit on the damn tire through intermission. Yeah. I, yeah, don't that's, care. I mean, that's crazy. That is a crazy piece of this. Yeah. Okay. I don't, I old Deuteronomy. I love it. What is your okay. favorite song on the show? Uh, I'd have to say, um, the one that I think really slays if it's, if it's done well is, uh, Mungo Jerry and Rumpel Teaser. The first time I saw it, that was the song stuck in my head. 
yeah. the entire time I left the theater. Like, yeah. And I didn't know any of the songs except for memory when I walked in there, had no idea. And the whole time that was the song I sang. So I'm, I'm with you. I think that that's like such a cool piece too. It's also one of the few times that it's just those two cats on stage. Like it's not the whole group kind of together. Yeah. That's that song. That number has to slay. Yeah, it really does. It, it, cause I've seen on online some people not doing it well and out of breath and stuff. So anyways, go on. Next question. Who are your favorite and least favorite cats in the show? Okay. Um, I think I'm, uh, uh, I'd have to say Mr. Mistopheles is my least favorite. I think he's kind of, con- kind of conceited and stuck up and, and very, she's a little too precious for me. Okay. And I think my favorite cat is probably, and this has to do with the last performer who played her, is Jenny Any Dots. And I loved that she taps. And I don't know if you know the actress who played her. Her name is Eloise Crop. Mm-hmm. She is a brilliant tap dancer. I saw her in Dames at Sea, I think, in the production that they did a couple of years ago here in New York. She is amazing. Yeah, and she was in, um, so I, I have interviewed she's, amazing phenomenal and was again such an amazing tap dancer she was in west side story the movie Uh and then i think she's in music man right now uh or she was i i I think so yeah um yeah she's she's she works so much and she deserves to work a lot she's she's great yeah okay so jenny the the motherly figure but a lot of this i love that a lot of this relates to like your experiences with it because most people i talk to are are either like the the diehards like they like they know more than i do in and outs of it or they were in the show and so they in the show it's interesting to hear because they can't get the mindset out of their own character it's like oh, i'm not supposed to like them because my cat's not supposed to like them so over the course of doing that i've started to you know to actually bring that to real life wow <laughs> there's a lot of relationships between the cats if we if you like really dig deep that's something that i've been fascinated about asking characters because there are some that are together there are, there are some that are probably brothers and sisters there are some that might be fooling around on the side like there is a very very dark web of this community damn i'm gonna have to look that i'm gonna have to like go in and type you know cats the musical dark web yeah, and see what comes I can, up i'll send you a couple things <laughs> there's there's a there's a lot there well just don't just don't do the deep dive into the fan fiction that would be my recommendation that will get there are like novels out there, like full on novels of fan fiction. Most oh of God. them are between Mistopheles and Tugger. Like 90% of them are the two of them being together. So like gay cats, the musical mm-hmm. fan fiction mm-hmm. about those oh two being in a relationship together. Yeah. I would definitely avoid that anyway. There are like literally books. Absurd. I, I, I read as much as I could as research for this, you know, when I was doing the, the monologues of that. And even that was like, not good for my mental health. Uh, it was too. It was too deep. It was too dark. It was like a lot of. It was just like. So, I mean, the thing that's crazy about it is, it's so over the top because some of them are are really really well written. Like these are people who put a lot of time and effort into it, and it's their outlet to write that type of. You know, it's like Fifty Shades of Grey came from Twilight. Like someone should publish one of these cast ones. But I found one with like thirty chapters. Uh, you know, it takes me like 10 years to write a play. I don't know who has the time to write gay cats, the musical fan fiction. There are but... thousands of stories on one fan fiction website that I found. Actually, hold on. I can pull it up. I'm going to ask you my next question. And I'm as I do that, I'm going to pull up uh, the 
because I have exactly how many I found at the time I, I read this. So are, are we running out of time soon? We are. We're going to get to our the million dollar question. Um, oh, okay. Because I, I still have giveth and oh, take it okay. the way. Oh, okay. No, let's really, go. Really let's, go let's go through them quickly while I look this up too. Okay. So for the film, the cats take it the way. Um, now, right after that, one of the byproducts of the film, the cats giveth, and that's the the Esquire review. You know what I'm talking I about. I do. Right? Well, I do because you you told me about it in our pre chat, and so I do know exactly what you're talking did about. Did you look it I, up? I did. Okay, people out there, you have to just type in Esquire cats uh review this dude from esquire magazine was uh, was a journalist tasked to review the movie brought his dad i think it's from they're from kentucky and and he wrote his dad's review go in there and read it huge if that's that's like the adele dezim of cats for me the cats giveth and then of course i i can't do this without mentioning our fearless one of our fearless leaders story berenstein uh co-founder and ceo of broadway podcast network um, she co-produced and directed along with, I believe it's her daughter, Sammy, uh, Canold, a documentary called the shows must go on, mm-hmm. which delved deeply into two productions. One was phantom and the other was cats. Um, as they worked diligently to open and perform during like the throes of the pandemic, not now, but way back in the day, uh, the film is inspirational and it is wonderful. It's a wonderful ode to the theater world. So please everybody go find that and watch it. It's very, very it's brilliant. Uh, it's, it was it so good. Uh, Sammy did such an amazing job with it. Um, and yeah, I mean, it's, it's such a, uh, like a time capsule almost of like what that experience was like and so unique. And yeah, it was the South Korea production, right. That, that she, that where they did it essentially in a bubble of cats. That was the one that she was yes. mostly interviewing with. So wild. Yeah. It, it, it was wild. I mean, we had where we were completely shut down and dark over here. They're, they're taking this to different theaters and different locations. So the cats giveth there. Okay. Final score. The cats giveth four times. The cats taketh away two times. So the cats have not been that bad to show. They've been good. Good to you. Yes. indeed. I love it. Um, wow. I really thought, okay. So the, I, I definitely thought a couple of these were going to be, I thought more of your history skewed earlier, but it sounds like it's the more recent that you've really it's it's uh, giveth more recently, which I love. Yes, it it it's given given giveth a lot lately. Amazing, but, you know. I didn't. okay now before I before I pull up, uh, I really grab my my last question. I did pull this up. So in the Mister Masafli's episode, I think it's like the ninth, eighth, or ninth episode. I did the research. I found thirty two hundred cats and musical stories on fanfiction.net. 203 that included Mustafis and Tugger. And the one that I read uh, a few lines of in that episode uh, was written in 2009 and it had 15 chapters, 17,000 words. And it was written by Cleo Leo and it was called Tug My Heartstrings. And I pulled out some quotes from it. So if you want to hear that, you can do. The reason I particularly picked this is because uh, she, I'm assuming a she, to be honest, um, but the author decided that Tugger should be the Jellicle choice over Grizabella. And so as someone who has argued at length that I don't think Grizabella should be the Jellicle choice, I was really excited to see someone write a 17, 15 chapter, 17,000 word story that did end up with the same, you know, ending plot as mine. So that is my question for you, is what I'll ask everybody to end the show. 
do you want to defend Grizabella as your Jellicle Joyce? Or if not, who else would you would you choose if since we've established you'd be old Deuteronomy? Okay, I have a backup and but I do have to defend Grizabella. And okay. I think I have a, a different reason for it. Um, my backup is Jenny Any Dots because she's eventually gonna break her cat ankles if she has yeah. to keep damp dancing. You she's know, on the older she, side. It fits. It fits. And she's heavy, you know. She's got yeah, she's she's so maybe, but um I still have to go with Grizabella, and I'm going to read this because I can find no good reason for the other cats to hate her this much. I want to talk to the other Grizabellas and find out what what they think. It's a very thinly drawn character. More importantly, old Deuteronomy is going to need someone to take over for him. He's ancient. And I think that Grizabella and old Deuteronomy are striking a pact up on the tire while the other cats are busy singing up, up, up past the Russell Hotel, where he expects her to come to him when she comes back down for another life, he'll train her to be the next new cat leader. And then she can send him up to the heavy side layer the next year. If he's not dead yet, think of the conflict and the espionage. There's cats too right there for you. Wow. Okay. So your version is I'm, we're going to break this down here. This is, this is my favorite part of this of, of every episode is getting to hear the different theories. So your belief is, is that he's picking her, to as a like it's a collusion to mm-hmm. make her the choice this year so that she can come back she'll remember you know i guess memory she'll remember uh-huh. and come back and make him the choice next year and then she's gonna now be in charge next year right that is gonna make monkish trap really angry oh because he is very much supposed to be the next in line is he yeah that that's one of the few things i think that like They've, there's some visual cues to it of he's directly below Deuteronomy. He's one of the sons. He's the one that kind of takes charge. Um, so, I, but I love it. I, I like the idea that she's going to be, I, I like any cats two story you can start writing. So <laughs> I love that she's going to die, come back. And then she, it's like, look, it's your turn. Then it's going to be my turn. It's going to be a quid pro quo, quid pro quo here for totally. this whole thing. And then she's going to take over that. You are definitely the first person that's made this argument. And I love it. Wow. I, you could tell I thought really hard about it. <laughs> I mean, you put you did put some thought in. It's it shocks me how a handful of people come on and are surprised when I ask this question. And I'm always like, you know, the show's called The Wrong Cat Died. Like, of course, we're going to go about this. Uh, but yeah, I, I I'm here for it. I do think that the the idea that everyone hates her, I think there's some backstory to that. It seems like she abandoned them. I can't find anything. I can't find anything in Grizabella the Glamour Cat the song. I mean, I mean, what did she do? Did she was uh, did she steal cat boyfriends? Did she was she mean to everybody? All I can see is that she would haunt a couple of bars. So she's a barfly cat. Big deal. The r- rumor is that she leaves the tribe, which is very cultish, so you're not supposed to leave to begin with. And goes and becomes like a sex worker and so shames the tribe. And that is why and abandon them and abandon probably her children that there's a couple that you could make an argument might be her kittens. And then she's coming back uh, after she's kind of had a rough life. Now, see, you're very fortunate that you had all the Grizabellas on to fill in the blanks because I I was I tried I really did I tried to find it you know but I was like they're just a bunch of millennial cats and they hate her because she's old oh there is most of the stuff which is why this show is so bizarre you can't pick up 
Like I, there are a few cues. If you really watch some of them, you can pick up a couple things of like, they might turn first or they might like be staged together. So you can assume that they maybe are together. But for the most part, all of this has been filled in because the revival and the original Broadway, like they go through the cat's story and they basically, someone will tell them every single character's whole backstory or what they're supposed to be thinking about. And none of it is like most of it's not portrayed super clearly on stage. It's supposed to be what they're like channeling as they're dancing and doing their stuff. So that's so why basic, this exists. Why my show is so basic. I'm sorry to interrupt you. I yeah, apologize. Yeah. I'm just, I can't believe this. Basically when a cast member gets hired on, they, they, they give them their whole cat story. They give them a lot. They give them a lot more. Um, they give them a pretty good kind of deep dive. They give them three words that are supposed to be the like adjectives of their character. Um, they give them some relationships that they might be playing to. There's a couple of things that are like very clearly, this is accepted truth. And there are a couple of things that's like, yeah, we kind of assume this, but we're not positive. Wow. I would just love to know like the, the arc of where that started and how it developed. That's, that's a book in itself. I have been trying to get a couple of people that have been on it, but it's also part of the lore that I don't think they want it to be like fully shared. So what I have been doing and why the show is 70 plus episodes in is I'm getting individual versions of it from the previous cast members of what they can remember about their character. And so you can hear, you know, the past episodes really, that's what I'm asking them about. They're digging deep into, are you related to this cat? Are you, you know, did you get told about that? What is the backstory? How do you, how do you approach this? And that's my fascination with the show currently and still. So it's not just, you just, you go to cat school for a couple of weeks and learn how to, you know, preen yourself and they do that too. Around like a cat. They do, well, they I know do they that, do that too. I didn't realize that this is another part of oh, cat yeah. college. They, they go through a whole like day or two story of the whole backstory of everybody. Wow. So one day I'm going to get that cat's Bible and I'm going to share it with the world until then I'm piecemealing it together. I'd pay a textbook price to get that cat's bible from you i think like, i'd pay 120 dollars for that book. i think a lot of people want it and why it's probably not possible to get it very easily oh come on mike one day i'm working you, on it you can do it you're the guy who came in with very little knowledge about cats except it was going to be a movie and you've done all this this is true this is true i'm getting there i'm slowly getting there for everybody you, you, you have the objectivity to do it <laughs> that's, that's exactly right well, I want you to tell um, everybody a little bit about how they can uh, hear your show and what to expect from your show and how to stay in touch. Okay. Uh, your program is your ticket is a discussion of smaller theater works and the people and organizations that make it happen. It's there to give them a little help and, um, you know, maybe bring in some extra bodies and more money to their shows, which can sometimes make a difference in a small theater. Um you can find your program is your ticket on the Broadway Podcast Network, along with my friend Mike here. Um, it, I am on all of the social medias, I think, except maybe TikTok. I'm on Facebook at facebook.com. Your program is your ticket. I'm on Twitter at at program ticket, Instagram and YouTube at your program is your ticket, iTunes, Stitcher, Player FM, Podcast, Podcast. Sorry, iTunes, Stitcher, Player FM, Podcast Addict, Podbean, Pocket Cast. That's why I screw it up. Deezer, TuneIn, Listen Notes, and I'm also on the UK-based theater platform, Thespy. And I appreciate all good ratings and reviews um, and subscriptions. So please do that if if you would be so kind. Um, I have a personal web website. It's um, 
seanwchandler.com. Don't forget the W because there is a Sean Chandler that's a writer, but he writes Westerns. Um, I'm also a writer and you could look at all of my, my projects that I work on. I write plays and screenplays and TV shows and stuff. So there we go. Amazing. And we'll put all that in the description too. So it'll be linked to make it a little easier. So well, thanks. Thank you for being an amazing guest and sharing your experiences with the show and your, uh, I, I guess the celebration of the show validating your marriage, uh, and all the, the different times you've been able to kind of see it over, over the years. It's my pleasure. Thank you for having me on, Mike. What a what a wonderful treat. Amazing. And thanks, everyone else, for listening to this episode of The Wrong Cat Died, the podcast breakdown of the catastrophe. To follow along, you can subscribe on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, or anywhere else you listen to podcasts. Follow us on Twitter and Instagram at The Wrong Cat Died, or check out our website, TheWrongCatDied.com. Hey, it's Leslie Odom Jr. here on the Broadway Podcast Network to tell you about the RISE Theatre Directory, a program of maestro music. RISE is a national online resource designed to connect and empower backstage and administrative and creative theatre professionals from underrepresented backgrounds. If you work or aspire to work in the theater community, this can help you find your next project. And if you hire theater professionals, search the Rise Theater directory to find your next team. Create your profile now and get more information by visiting risetheater.org. That's theater with an R-E-R-I-S-E-T-H-E-A-T-R-E dot org because only together we rise.